Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dynasty Gambit, part of the Going for Two Live network here on uh, Going for Two Live YouTube page, also on Twitch and Facebook. You can see the videos on Twitter. However, we won't be able to see your Twitter comments. So if you do want to join in, ask us questions, you know, yell at us for saying ridiculous things, I'll, I probably will at some point. Uh, feel free to join us again on the Going for Two Live YouTube page and uh, join the, the chat. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be sure to interact tonight. Uh, my co-host Brian and I will be interacting. No Gator Jay this week. Uh, out swimming with the other Gators, maybe, but uh, uh, hopefully getting back in a couple of weeks. But uh, Brian, how are you doing? Oh, Kyle, I'm doing good. I'm just uh, enjoying the aftermath of the Super Bowl and um, getting into our all-season content here. And couldn't hardly be better. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah, doing well. Um, you know, the Super Bowl's over, so I guess we don't have any football for a bit. But, uh, you know, for a dynasty perspective, the offseason really isn't an offseason. I've heard the term non-point scoring season. So maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have titled this episode offseason. Uh, but, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll speak to the, the general sense of no football games being played. But, yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot to get to, a lot to talk about. And I guess, uh, you know, we Let's love the Super Bowl so much we could reminisce on that. <laughs> Let's not forget about the XFL. I watched a little bit of that last week. It's it's football, so. That's true. Um, I know the USFL will be back. CFL will kick off. I, don't, I can't remember exactly what day in June. I know I've seen the schedule, but mid mid to early June. So, uh, no, football's not that far away in a sense. Like you said, the XFL's already on. So, not even skipping a beat, right? There is no offseason when it comes to, to football. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, I guess uh, we could start by talking about this big game uh the chiefs beating the eagles 38 35 uh what a victory and uh you know t a close tight contest i've heard people describe it as one of the most exciting super bowls in in really ever but probably not the best and i think you have a specific reason why so we'll uh we'll let you uh start things off here well my, my biggest thing um, my biggest takeaway first of all i didn't really have a dog in the fight um my best friend that donated was going to donate me a kidney a couple of years ago as an eagles fan my wife's family lives in kansas they're all they're all cheese fans so either way i, I didn't really have a true dog in the fight i just kind of hate that that there was a defensive penalty there with under two minutes to go in the game that you know it was on on, on third down by the letter of the law even the defensive back bradbury comes out and says it says there's a penalty so fair enough. It's just you, you wish, regardless whether it was the Eagles or the Chiefs, whoever committed the penalty, you just wish that it would play on the played out on the field rather than rather than a uh, referee kind of being more involved than he maybe he had to be. But like I said, it by the letter of the law, it, it was a foul. So yeah, it did kind of take the drama of it out out at the end. Uh, didn't really give the Eagles much of a t much time left to score as a result of that. Um, yeah, it, it, I guess it, it anticlimactic, so to speak, because it was such an exciting game through up to that point. Yeah, that's the big thing. And like I said, I mean, it wouldn't have matter which team, which team it was against, you know, if the, if the chiefs had been a defense, I would have felt the same way, but realistically, the Eagles did give themselves shot themselves in the foot a couple of times, allowing the uh, longest punt return. And then 
the pick and then the fumble recovery for six against Hertz and I think the second quarter. So, I mean, they have nobody to blame but themselves. So, certainly they can't say, well, gosh, if it wasn't for the officials, we would have won this game because, honestly speaking, the Chiefs played a cleaner game. But yeah, they, just they didn't make the big mistakes. Did. Um, sorry, uh, but yeah, the Chiefs, they didn't make the big mistakes. And unfortunately, while the Eagles' offense was almost flawless, obviously the Jalen Hurts fumble, that was really kind of an unforced fumble too. Uh, that really, uh, that was a, that was a massive mistake. Uh, I wouldn't call it the biggest mistake and the biggest reason they lost, but because I will say it felt like at times the Eagles offense was outperforming the Chiefs. Maybe the mistakes equals it out because I mean, I, I guess the Eagles offense did technically account for more points than the Chiefs part of that. It, the Chiefs offense anyway. Part of that is the, the like you said, the Nick Bolton scoop and score for six. So that's six points that the defense accounts for. So. Uh, when you think about it that way, the Chiefs' offense really only accounts for 32 points. If I mean, that's including the field goals, if you'd like those field goal drives made by the offense. But I would say the offenses were amazing. I thought Jalen Hurts, you know, in spite of the fumble, I thought had a fantastic game. I also felt he didn't let the fumble ruin his confidence, and that's a, that's a big part of playing quarterback. You know, he kept slinging the ball, he kept being willing to run with it too, and it, and it didn't seem to affect his play at all. He played just as well after that as he did before that um, yeah i mean he came back at the, the very next drive and scored a touchdown from memory after the fumble so i mean he got all he got all of his receivers between goddard and brown and Devonte smith all of them were, were well involved in the game uh, a little bit disappointed in, in the running game that you know that they didn't rely a little bit more on, on miles sanders he they basically just kind of left him for dead in the game i don't know i mean Season, I know that during the season, the Chiefs were better against the run in the past, but it seems like in, in a game such as this, you might have run a few more few more times like the Chiefs did with Pacheco. So, I don't no, know. That would be another one of my takeaways from it. To, to your point, like the Eagles having a halftime lead would be like, you know, extra reason to run more in the second half. But they were also throwing very effectively. So, you can understand that, you know, Jalen Hurts, again, was throwing pretty well. So, you could see why they were moving the ball that way and continue to be aggressive. Yeah, you could. You definitely could. I mean, they were they were moving the ball well. And the Chiefs all year long were. I think they were somewhere in the bottom ten against the pass. So, I I know in our pregame, I I was definitely heralding the the uh, extra receivers outside of Brown. And they both had they both had good games in Goddard and Smith. So, I and kind of anticipated kind of what I thought it would be. I I think we all thought it'd be a high scoring game. I don't know that I thought we all thought it would be quite that high, but possibly. So, it 80, was a really good game. 83 points total? Oh, no, 73 points total. Sorry. Uh, math. Uh, took a gambit there, and I lost. Uh, but you won't lose if you listen to the Dynasty Gambit, uh, apparently. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I thought both offenses operated really well. Uh, you could argue, again, the Eagles might have been more efficient. Well, actually, that's not true. The Eagles kind of just, like, they, they ran the ball so well, they ended up using that to control a lot of the clock. But the Chiefs are really efficient with the limited time they had scoring points. Um, so maybe you say the Chiefs were technically the better offense. Uh, I think neither defense played really well. Like both offensive lines kind of own the day. And yeah, you could ca- talk about slippery field, but these are also two of maybe the top five offensive lines in the league. So that in itself shouldn't have been so surprising. Uh, just complete domination. And maybe that's a bit shocking considering how good the defenses were, but the offensive lines had it. I, I didn't think either defense really played that well. You'd argue the Chiefs defense played better because they, they got six points on the defense with the, the fumble. 
uh, recovery for touchdowns. So technically you'd give them the edge. And like you said, the big punt return, longest punt return in Super Bowl history. While I felt like for the most part of the game, special teams was pretty even. The one key time you needed one, the Chiefs were able to get that. And it seems like, uh, um, well, it seems like Jamie's here to uh, ask a question. I'm here to bring the questions. But there's no questions. <laughs> Just kidding, you, Jamie. Well, well, not really. So if you do have any questions, feel free to ask. Uh, but uh, but yeah, um, I guess the uh, to me, I don't know what you feel about this, Brian. I think coaching actually made the biggest difference. And to it was the the two touchdowns Patrick Mahomes threw in the in the fourth quarter. Both were the same red zone defense setup for the Eagles, and both times the Chiefs ran the same play to just exploit it perfectly. Now, apparently this is a play Eric Bieniemy found that the Jaguars did. Funny enough that Doug Peterson is the one that has the, the key secret to beating the Eagles. That, that's kind of funny. Uh, but uh, Jamal Agnew ran a very similar play where he's an outside receiver, fakes the motion in, and then goes back out, and the, the, def- and the Eagles bite on it so hard that they leave him wide open. And uh, Kadarius Tony ran it. Sky Moore ran it. Jamal Agnew, you get these fast guys to do it. And I guess that's the threat of the end around, right? If you, if you don't bite hard on that end around, he's already gone before you can catch him. So... It's, uh, you know, it all defenses kind of have a flaw, but it seemed like the Eagle, the Chiefs did a really good job exploiting what the Eagles' flaw was. And, you know, for the Eagles' perspective, this was a play. Again, this game against the Jaguars is what? Late September, early October. Months ago, they they dealt with this. Or they, they faced this play, and they didn't have an answer to it. They didn't find a way to give themselves an answer to, okay, this could be exploited. We need to disguise something, change something. So... That's maybe the biggest failure of the Eagles is coaching. They coached it basically the same way they had the entire season. Didn't really throw any, uh, you know, make the teams guess what your your defensive formations is. You want to, like, for a guy like Patrick Mahomes, you want to fool him in disguise as much as possible. So it just seemed like the Chiefs were better prepared coaching, not to say that the Eagles were unprepared, but that's just maybe I would almost argue the biggest edge in this game did come from coaching. That makes perfect sense. And the other thing that happened, you can tell, I mean, honestly speaking, we talk about both offenses being so great, and they work, but the Chiefs somewhat struggled in that that first half. So, obviously, there were some very key halftime adjustments made as well. So, the Eagles were, you know, they continued their game plan pretty much the entire game. The difference in second half from first half for the Eagles was just simply they didn't possess the ball nearly as as much as they had in the first half. But the halftime adjustments, obviously, as – as well as throughout the entire season, not changing the game plans could arguably what caused the Eagles for sure. He's yeah, the young coach. I'm sure hopefully for the Eagles sake, he'll learn from it. Well, the defensive coordinator has gone. So you got to hope the next guy can learn from that. Uh, good luck Cardinals. Cause you did hire him. Not, not, you didn't hire the offensive coordinator that exploited the defense. You instead hired the defense coordinator whose defense got exploited. But yeah, that, that actually seems on brand for the Cardinals to be honest. So, uh, life life was on as normal. <laughs> Sorry exactly. to rip on the Cardinals. Uh, but I guess um, before I keep riffing and ripping on things, I do want to shout out our sponsor, Underdog. And uh, you know we run a promotion here at Going for Two. If you use the promo code GF2, you know, look at the hat. Uh, our you know capital G, capital F, the digit two. Uh, use that promo code on Underdog when you make your initial deposit, and they will double whatever that initial deposit is up to a hundred dollars. So if you do max out and put that a hundred dollar deposit in, they'll give you an extra hundred and you'll have 200 in your account to go, whether it's bet on games. I mean, yeah, we're talking about football season being done, or at least the NFL season being done, but uh, you brought up before the show, the XFL has started. I believe it began last weekend. And I think the USFL 
And of course, it's CFL in June, basketball, hockey, all sorts of sports going on right now that you can bet on. And, and I believe, well, not believe, I, I know this, Underdog has best ball drafts as well, because it's never too early to draft for the next NFL season, is it, Brian? Oh, no. I mean, it's it, like we were talking about, it's a season-long thing. So, so the season never really ends. Even just the NFL season we'll talk about here in a little bit, their season really doesn't end either. They they end the 2022 season on one day or one minute, and the very next minute the 2023 calendar rolls. So we don't ever quit. No, for sure. Uh, do have a question here from Jamie, who's, uh, again, we're, we're never going to quit uh, – you know, supporting and answering the people who do come out and support us here. Uh, do you think the Chiefs are drafting a wide receiver this year? Depends on other needs um, and depends on what they want to do. I mean, they've, they've got the players there there on a, on the team. If, if they are able you know, maintain Tony and Juju is a free agent. So, I mean, they could, could need a potential replacement for him. But uh, they do, they do have Sky Moore coming back as well, so they got some young guys. So I wouldn't imagine it's a number one priority. Oh, um, yeah. Sorry, uh, I was uh, just checking. We we were potentially going to have a guest, but it looks like uh, due to technical difficulties, we won't. So just you and I tonight, Brian. Uh, but but yeah. Oh, I guess I should keep this question up. I don't know why I got that down. I'm I'm panicking. I'm all over the place. Maybe like the Chiefs will do with this wide receiver room because the truth is, like you said, with Juju leaving. I mean, you know, you've got Tony and Sky Moore on rookie contracts. They just signed Val- Marcus valdez I believe, to a three-year contract. So they've still got a couple years with him. Um, so you've got kind of the, the basis of a wide receiver room. I think at some point in this draft, though, the Chiefs are going to spend at least one pick on a wide receiver. Now, that could be what they did with Isaiah Pacheco last year, and it's a seventh-round pick. But who knows? That guy could develop into somebody that is fantasy significant. So I'd be shocked if they don't take at least one pick at wide receiver. I'd imagine just because of how many picks most teams have, it'd be shocking if any team goes any year in the draft without at least one wide receiver, uh, whether it's, you know, again, maybe that's a seventh round pick that we don't, we're not really too interested for fantasy, but uh, I think that, that, you know, I guess with the chiefs, could they, could one of the maybe elite first round receivers fall to them at the 31st pick because uh, thanks dolphins for tampering with the NFL draft order. Um, but uh, th- that could be a potential. I think that's, I think, I think to say the entire draft, I would almost, I would almost say a hundred percent certain. I'll, I'll go 99% certain. I can't see the future that they'll take at least one receiver, but is that the first round player? I think that's an interesting conversation. And I mean, regard, you know, assuming they take one at 31, there's probably at least two or three other receivers that went ahead of them. I guess it might come to landing spots, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, like, let's say it, uh, let, okay, we'll take Jamie's example. Quentin Johnson, Bra- uh, I was going to say Braylon Addison. He's already in the CFL, though. I uh, hope he comes back healthy this year. Um, Jalen Addison, right, I believe. And then uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. If those three players go, but Jalen Hyde goes to the Chiefs, like our, I don't know that we're going to raise Hyde above them, any of them. I guess if, if there's someone who's waiting spots really bad, maybe we do. But I don't know. What are you thinking about that, Brian? This well, situation. the other player I forgot to mention that's a potential free agent also is Hardman. So, I mean, I I see them. I don't think they'll go the entire draft without drafting at least one, maybe two wide receivers. Not knowing the roster completely, I don't know if that's their first-round pick or not. But, I mean, they'll, they'll definitely draft a wide receiver. But will it be first pick? I don't know. I mean, it's potential. 
there are a lot of good wide receivers out there this year. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's yeah, it's it's not a you know DJ Chark, Juju Smith-Schuster, as you mentioned, Jacoby Myers, and I mean to be fair, Juju actually had a pretty decent Super Bowl, especially in the second half. Um, so maybe maybe he springboards that Super Bowl performance to a, a long-term contract with the Chiefs, and maybe you know maybe they invest enough there that they actually don't want to spend first-round pick. They want to they want to spend first-round picks to address the defense because that's the one side of the football that Patrick Mahomes can't like make up the difference on. I've always said that with the Packers. Like I haven't minded that they never spent a first-round wide receiver on Aaron Rodgers, and the simple fact is they've been so good with their second-round wide receivers uh, that. Like, you know, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, they haven't needed to spend first-round picks on receivers. You know, spend it on, like, a Jair Alexander or Kenny Clark because you're not getting impact defenders anywhere else. And I, so I could also see the Chiefs waiting later in the draft. Uh, but wait no longer. We do actually have our guest here, Sean Robinson. Uh, I think it's your first uh, time on the Going for Two live network. You've been, uh, uh, you know, part member of Going for Two. So uh, welcome aboard. How's it going? We're doing good. Yeah, we were just uh, talking about the Super Bowl right now. So at the tail end of this conversation, you can join in. Were there any uh, reactions, that, thoughts you want to share about the Chiefs' 38-35 victory over the Eagles? Uh, not, not so much. I mean, it felt, felt like one of those games where the last team that had the ball was going to win. Obviously, you had the penalty and the controversy around that. And Jalen Hurts not getting the ball at the very end. For me, one of the bigger takeaways was the involvement of Devontae Smith. Seemed like he was always open when you needed him, and that may have been due to you know the defense round and that sort of thing. But I, we had seen AJ Brown have some huge season, and obviously Devontae Smith was a top twelve wide receiver. But for me, going forward, it was nice to see wide receivers involved um, and and have possibly two top fifty receivers going going forward. Yeah, I've got actually I've got Devontae Smith, I think, at wide receiver twelve. So I technically say the Eagles have two wide receiver ones, but yeah, I think it's uh that, that tier there kind of extends into the top fifteen. So um well, I guess actually one of the topics you want to talk about, Brian, was dynasty risers and fallers. And it's funny because I was going to consider this guy a riser, but I I was kind of ranking him this way even before the Super Bowl. I was just so impressed with the the entirety of the twenty twenty two season for Devontae Smith and how AJ Brown coming in didn't take away his targets. In fact, it, it made the passing offense so much better that Smith actually got more opportunities. So, you know, sometimes the wide receiver coming, does it hurt the, the other receiver that's already established? It gives them less attention because last year I'm sure teams could just focus in on Smith. And as you were saying, Sean, it seemed like AJ Brown was the coverage priority. Well, he didn't get eaten by Gators. Gator J is here. <laughs> um, yeah. Work is, uh, is, uh, Super Bowl, it's it's BS like bowl super backwards. I don't know. I'm 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 running. I'm stretching here, but uh, uh, he says uh, Gator says what's up, Sean? Hi, Kyle. Hi, Brian. And yeah, th- uh, Sean, appreciate you joining in, in favor of the or in place of the absent uh, Gator and doing us a favor. Um. So yeah. So Brian, uh, just looking at some of your other risers here. Uh, actually, a lot a lot of your risers and fallers have to do with running back. So uh, I guess a big portion of our discussion for the offseason will center on running back so any of these players that you have mentioned either as risers or fallers in the show sheet that you want to talk about right now yeah i mean like like y'all were discussing Devonte smith i mean every everybody he was already already on everybody's radar because 95 catches and 
close to 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns. But that being said, I mean, Brown's still got the majority of the attention to me this year. So I've got him certainly in my top 10, top 12. I mean, you could argue, as we all know, it's it's pretty arbitrary between top 10, top 12. But basically, that just means he's a wide receiver one in most fantasy formats. So that's really good. Um, Then Isaiah Pacheco, to me, is kind of the – one of the bigger risers um, second half of the season. Um, he, uh, he really re- r- rose up some boards and, you know, uh, off the top of my head, he had, uh, I think 65 yards and a touchdown for the Super Bowl. And the thing that was pretty impressive about him against the Bengals in the championship round, he had five catches for, for 50 some odd yards. And so if he can be more consistent with that moving forward, I'd see him, Definitely in a top, say a top fifteen dynasty, dynasty running back to me, so I, I would consider him a riser. Actually, just talk about rushing yards from the Super Bowl. That was a fun takeaway. Is you know we talk about the quarterbacks how impressive they were passing. Mahomes and Hertz were or, uh, Hertz and Mahomes, I should say in that order, were second and third in the game in rushing. Pacheco had seventy six yards rushing. Hertz had seventy, and Mahomes had forty four. So, uh, Jerick McKinney was next at thirty four. And then Gainwell. Oh, and then we find Miles Sanders, which I think, uh, you know, uh, actually, before we get to Sanders, I do have a question for both of you, because I've had trouble with, um, you know, in my dynasty rankings right now, specifically the t- like a, a big tier of the 2017 running backs. So I'm talking specifically Aaron Jones and Dalvin Cook, because I think especially now with, you know, potential suspension, likely suspension for Kamara, it's kind of easy to fade him. Mixon, same thing, the lack of pass catching opportunities as much as you know he's like you know a lot of touchdowns on that offense and there's high potential i just feel like i'd rather have pacheco than all four of those guys is that is that too much of a rise for you brian so repeat the four guys again kamara cook and who else uh aaron jones i guess i didn't say aaron jones but yeah aaron specifically aaron jones and dalvin cook because i feel like i'm easily pacheco over kamara probably easily over joe mixon but I think right now in my rankings, I do have him, I think, one spot ahead of Jones or you know, and then two spots ahead of Dalvin Cook. So I don't know if the, it's too extreme for those guys. That's too big of a rise to me personally. I, I can't I can't get away from Dalvin Cook over Pacheco, despite the age difference. Um, the Chiefs, you know, they haven't traditionally, traditionally done great at running back. I, I like Pacheco. I definitely consider him a riser. Do I see him? having the value of cook maybe not yet all right uh sean do you want to chime in at all like what do you think dynasty wise for those players for me i think in dynasty it all all really depends on where you're going um he's probably so he runs incredibly hard like that would be the one thing is he runs with so he is going to have a a place in that offense next, next couple of years the difference and so if you're going for a championship, say you have a top two or three roster and in, in your Jones and Cook are going to be closer to somebody who can actually win you a championship than Pacheco more long-term value. Cook and Jones may or be maybe one year away from being, you know, depending on how the situations work in their particular areas, whether Rodgers comes back or whether it's the offense. And then with Cook, I mean, he's going to have to go through several restructures to sort of Vikings cap issues. But for me, if I'm 
depending on where somebody who's rebuilding, I'm I'm always the one to just say get rid of all the running backs and sort of doing the productive struggle or or some people will call it house money. Um, I will keep Cooker Jones because Cooker Jones are going to have that name value and you can probably tell them. But if I'm going for a championship, I mean, Cook's still going to have games where he gets 100 yards. Jones really is going to all depend on that offense. Like that offense could be horrible. That off, we just don't don't know what Jordan Love looks like. Like, and if Rodgers isn't going to come, me it depends on where I am. If it, it's just a flat like pick a roster, pick a person, going with the older guys just simply because of the fact that they can probably win you a week. Going to hold hold more of that ten to twelve to fourteen PPR points next several years and i guess like the credit to both of you it's i think that's easier if you're like in a startup you can manage the rest of your roster up to that point and then take a shot at Mm -hmm. uh, an older running back kind of later and you know cost control it not knowing that you're not not investing an asset you're likely going to be able to sell high on this is i've built my roster to contend now like if it's a super flex league and you've started with kyler murray that's probably not the team you want to go with aging running backs on earlier no. you know in the startup and you're able to get a, a, a trevor lawrence or anyone you know, ranked higher than him and you're kind of more inclined to kind of go for it and you can control the fact that you've got this asset like it's derrick henry to a certain extent too like you take him in a startup not really thinking i'm gonna be able to trade him for anything of value it's i'm just gonna smash people with points right now and, and try to win a title with them and so if you can construct your roster that way like you said if the team's already built that way i think I wouldn't be wanting to buy those guys right now, but those are guys that are maybe circled as buys if I'm contending through the season. But I think this is maybe the worst time to buy aging running backs right now, uh, especially if it's costing draft picks. I'd rather wait. And, you know, yeah. when there's more certainty in the season, I'll spend next year's draft picks in season on, on guys like that. Uh, so, yeah, so the fall of Miles Sanders also coincides, I think, Brian, with the rise of Kenneth Gainwell. So you can talk about both players in tandem if you'd like. As the Eagles clearly are play, played them in tandem all through the uh, last two seasons. Yeah, at this point in time, to me, um, you know, Sanders is a free agent. I don't know what the game plan is there for the Eagles. Do they plan on trying to bring him back or not? But I did find it interesting that, you know, during during the season, Gainwell really only had about 50-some-odd 50, 50 carries. But then during the three games in the playoffs, he had 33. And he really wasn't injured, to my knowledge, throughout the course of the season. So it's almost like they kind of showed their hand whether whether it was going to win a, win a Super Bowl or not. It was almost like they wanted to get Gainwell more involved to see what they had. And th- to me, it, it, the writing's on the wall, but we'll see. I mean, stranger things have happened, so Sanders could be back. But Gainwell's going to have some value there in Philadelphia, it it seems to me, at this point in time. Well, inadvertently, uh, you've received another invitation to come on the show, Sean. Uh, So uh, Gator approves. uh, Yeah, uh, your excellent dynasty analysis has worked. Uh, Would you like to chime in on the Eagles' backfield? The the elephant in the room is is that the the Eagles have been, and granted, um, I don't put a whole lot of stake in mock drafts because most of that is true falls. However, there is one giant elephant in the room as far as the Eagles are tied to Bijan Robinson. 
Now, if Bijan Robinson comes, the game's over for. I think Sanders probably leaves. There, this is going to be a very, very interesting off because there's more. There's a deep rookie class that that is going to be cheaper than probably more running backs than there are spots. So you have David Montgomery, you have Saquon Barnes. Miles Sanders probably needs to get out of Philadelphia. It seems like the Philadelphia coaching staff has had so much confidence in Miles Sanders through the, the entire time that he's been there. But, but they sim- they also employ a sort of like running back by committee and quarterbacks. Austin Scott got as much of the sort of like drain the, the clock on the game. Well, it seemed like a change of pace back until the playoffs, and then Miles Sanders was your normal like first i i don't i have gained well in a bunch of leagues because i do think that they don't spend any draft capital on running backs and they just go with game well and scott they do seem to like like boston scott but i also think it's possible that everyone comes back and sanders comes back on a deep discount because the, he's the one left yeah, I guess so many running backs are available that it kind of almost suppresses each of their costs. So these guys might be looking for big paychecks and not getting them. Uh, I guess that can lead us to our, our topic of we've kind of we've already kind of got into it. That like, what is the off season going to be? But I guess yeah, if we if we do get Jay and Sean on at the same time, we'll have a koala, we'll have a gator, we have an elephant in the room apparently, and of course we're talking with the eagles. So uh, it's animals as leaders. <laughs> we have to change your name. The <laughs> dynasty animal. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I can, I'm going to not try the puns anymore. Um, but yeah, so upcoming free agents. And I guess we can continue to talk about running backs here. Uh, quite a, quite a, uh, an extensive list, but I think at the top of the list, and two very likely franchise tag candidates, I would say Miles Sanders and David Montgomery, two guys that Sean mentioned, are maybe kind of the sort of dark horse candidates to get tagged. They probably aren't because uh, I like – the tag is probably more than what they're getting, like what they're asking for per year. But a couple guys that are maybe have higher value than the, what the tag is, and the teams tagging them actually ends up being value for them are Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs. Jacobs coming off a career year, Barkley looked pretty resurgent as well. So, uh, Sean, any thoughts on either of those two running backs? Do you think they get tagged, or are you seeing long term extensions for either, or are they leaving? So, so Jacobs, no, I don't think he gets tagged. Um, running back, but I, I don't think that anyone outside of the Oakland organization knows exactly what they're... They have a whole bunch of sort of aging assets in Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Josh James, but is old for being a running back. Um, I don't think he gets tagged there. I think he, I think that is entirely possible. They they seem... There seems to be mutual interest on both sides. Say a lot of that's going to have to tie to Daniel Jones. So mm-hmm. they're going to use the tag on Daniel Jones to deal with Daniel Jones, they may well attack tag Saquon. Saquon, the one thing that I don't... Saquon's lost a step. Now, he's still a great running back, but he is not the same guy, to me, watching the tape that he was coming out of Penn State. So the Giants may decide that I think the tag is like 11 million is too much. Now, I the reports are out there that he wants somewhere between 12 and 15 per year. Um, watching tape he just seems like he's a step slower now, when he was injured, but he seems like he's lost a step, and I don't necessarily know that those two tag him. First, they have the money on the cap. They, I just don't 
know if it's just to do so, especially we're going to keep going over this, especially given the run, running back class or a lot of these free agent decisions. Yeah, they may view, okay, we can get Miles Sanders, who <laughs> I guess it's funny, he follow, I'm pretty sure he followed up Barkley at Penn State, and now he'll follow up Barkley on the Giants at cheaper than probably what that franchise tag comes in at, depending on what, what Sanders asks for. But uh, at least kind of more, maybe a little bit to what closer to what they want to pay on a running back. So they may also just go the the veteran free agent market there. But like you said, if they're really trying to build around Daniel Jones and it does cost them a lot, maybe they want to save it, save the money as best they can, and get go with the rookie running back too. <laughs> do they do they draft Bijan Robinson to replace Saquon Barkley? That would be, <laughs> I don't know that anyone's talking about that landing spot, but that would be uh, that would be kind of crazy. I think that they draft Bijan. I think it's much more likely that they draft JSN out of Ohio State at receivers. Granted, none of them can stay healthy that they currently have, but he does need more weapons regardless of whether or not he's on the franchise tag or a long-term deal. Yeah, that that's true. They receiver seems like it's a bigger need for them. A pretty glaring hole, one of the worst receiver rooms in the NFL. And apparently, Dynasty Animal sounds like a good show. At least that's what Gator again. A Gator said this, so maybe take that as a biased opinion. But uh, Jeff, yeah. let's uh, maybe we'll, we'll consider we'll consider Dynasty Animals. <laughs> Gambit with it, uh, Brian. You and I were talking before the show. We kind of mentioned there's one massive domino though. We talk about elephant in the room. I guess this guy runs probably faster than an elephant. To be fair. Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I don't know what the actual speed, foot speed of elephants are. Uh, but Lamar Jackson, uh, whether the Ravens franchise tag him, seems like a long-term extension. They're pretty far apart. Uh, is there even a possible trade potential? I, th- I feel like a lot of teams might just kind of freeze their moves until they know for sure. Can we get Lamar Jackson? Is he available? Uh, if, if available, he would be like the highest, like he'd be the, the most high-priced free agent in this class, and it's not even close available for trade as we've seen the last couple of years that might be the way to get elite talent now uh so yeah what what did brian i know we, we usually have a uh, lamar jackson as the thumbnail but in honor of the chiefs way i went with the the kelsey mahomes thumbnail on the episode but uh i, I guess our favorite topic of ours the gambit of where will lamar jackson go what, what do you think it's an awful tough call I, I think there's a couple things we need to re- need to recall is that the franchise tag has to be applied by march 7th so it's not like you've got that much time to work on it and last year, only eight out of 32 teams actually used the tag itself. So it's uh, four, four of those eight players wound up playing on the tag. So it's a big, big question. Um, that everybody's advising Lamar. A lot of people are advising Lamar that if they want to try to apply the tag, if, if they were Lamar, he would, he would just sit out the ear. So my best guess is he's with Baltimore. They're, they're going to sign him to a long term somehow miraculously hmm. yeah they, they up their offer it seems like it's more the guaranteed money that seems to be the big hold up there that that seems like they're quite far apart based on the reports that have come out maybe those may not even be true uh but sean what are you thinking about the lamar jackson right now um i there there's a large part of me that that, that hopes he stays with the ravens teams and essentially around him and around the style in which he plays. Now, obviously, they have Huntley behind, but not nearly to the level of Lamar Jackson. It really all depends on Ravens seeing Huntley as a long-term option. So if, say, Atlanta for 
Lamar Jackson? Do they go from, from Lamar to to Anthony Richardson? Do they go to Will Levis? Do they trade up and get CJ Stroud offense? Um, nor does Bryce Young. It would seem more likely that that the person, um, but he is himself probably a project that is a year away. They probably can tell you, given the, his name, but I watched quite a bit of and there. I mean, he is absolutely talented to probably in the class. However, there are some times where he just does things and you just have. It's just sort of the don't understand. And when you get to NFL defenses, as we saw with even Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and that's who, once they got experience, performed, that is not going to go well immediately. So Jackson probably gets traded. The most likely spot is probably Atlanta. Um, an offense with Kyle Pitts and Drake London and Algier and, you know, more. And it, I think all. All of those stocks from a dynasty perspective would all go through the roof. But I and I would say Atlanta, but that that's just they have a high draft pick that could be converted into a quarterback. Sense. Yeah, G, uh, that's what Gator's saying. He thinks uh, Atlanta in a trade, sign and trade, of course. Uh, I think division rival might almost make sense too. The Panthers. Uh, seems mm. like both teams were in last year on Deshaun Watson and were willing to pay up the draft picks needed to get them and presumably also sign the, the money he's asking for. I think all these teams, I think part of these negotiations kind of being floated out and the information being floated out is, I think, to let teams know what Lamar is asking for. So maybe to encourage them to trade. Like, okay, these teams are probably already having these internal discussions before they even discuss the trade. Are we willing to pay Lamar Jackson this? If so, okay, let's explore. So I think Atlanta, Carolina could get to be a, even a bidding war between them. I hadn't known this. Uh, Todd Munkin, who has uh, been hired as the Ravens' new OC, Gator's sharing this with us. I don't know if either of you knew this, but apparently Munkin has not talked to Lamar. He does ask, how is that possible? But I will also stipulate we are February 23rd. We're pretty far from football. So I don't think it's necessary that every new offensive coordinator has – I've all spoken to their quarterbacks so far. So it may not be that unusual. Would like some more context there. But does it also hint at they're not talking to Lamar about like play you know systems for this year because they already know he's not going to be there this year because they're they they've accepted that okay the, the trade interest will be so great and the price that someone's willing to pay is so good that we almost can't refuse to to we almost can't you I mean we almost have to trade him away if if we're getting that strong return, especially uh, as you were kind of alluding to, Sean, if if it's a top 10 pick, whether it's from Atlanta or Carolina, if that's involved in the trade, that's a, a really key piece that if it doesn't net you a quarterback, it's netting you an elite asset. And maybe, you know, there's still quite a few free agent quarterbacks. Maybe they don't want to pay Lamar that, but they'll pay a, another quarterback less than Lamar. And maybe they forego the draft at quarterback thinking that they, this is a, you know, if they can get a veteran quarterback that they think they can win now with, maybe that's the route they go. Or, or like you said, maybe they, you know, Anthony Richardson falls that pick and they end up taking him to kind of almost be a one, one-on-one replacement. So to to sort of maybe answer Gators, um, the one thing to remember, and I'm sure most of us have figured it out, and I know part of the season works for prospective free agents, but Lamar's contract has expired. So he is 
more or less currently a free agent. Now, when they tag him, obviously at that point, he's up. He's still not required to sign anything. Um, I think it was Le'Veon Bell who had the same situation. Um, so, so you, I mean, Todd Munkin, obviously coming from Georgia and obviously being a Bulldogs fan, it was real nice seeing him finish out and, and be, beat, uh, it's entirely possible that no one in the Ravens other than the general manager has put due to the fact that he is currently a prospective free agent and they have not as of yet tagged him. He's sort of in limbo as far as. Like they don't know, they can't necessarily. They need defense around whatever quarterback is coming in if it's not Lamar. Yeah, that's a great point too. Um, those internal discussions, we don't know exactly what what they're uh, talking about. The temperature gauges they're trying to take from all the other teams with you know what is the price on Lamar, but also uh, just knowing that yeah, I mean, I guess he's technically like the contracts are still there because the league year hasn't flipped mm-hmm. over. But for all intents and purposes, maybe the Ravens or and the other teams just don't really talk to players and like about structure and strategy and, and you know offensive philosophies until after free agency and they, until they have a better understanding of all the players that will be on their team. Maybe that's waiting to gather. And then once they have full intake of what they think their roster is going to be that year, then they can really get into the, the scheme planning. And, and then that's where you'll maybe see more communication. So it, it might be unusual, but it might not. I don't know how exactly how often these conversations between offensive coordinators and quarterbacks actually happen. This is interesting. As the GM in Atlanta, would you rather have Jackson or Richardson? Jackson. Jackson. You see, and I think it's it's again, do you want the quarterback on the rookie contract or the quarterback on you know, you're gonna have to pay right away? The truth is that division is so wide open that give me the quarterback if if we think especially right now Jackson's ability to win games is that much stronger than Richardson, who might need some, you know, he was I think he was just a one year starter in college, so he might need some time to sit actually and learn the NFL game before he gets into the action. So if Atlanta goes after Jackson, I, I have to imagine they're the favorites to win the AFC South. And Frank, frankly, he might be the best quarterback in the or I said AFC, NFC South. But I'm going to be honest with you on Richardson. He's a, he's a huge project to me. Um, the talent's definitely there, but you know, there were times in college he didn't, he didn't even show that well to me. So I, I say Jackson because I'm not sure that Richardson isn't a, isn't a potential bust in the NFL. Yeah, for me, it's it's Jackson, and it's probably not incredibly close. One thing that Atlanta has is they have two preems, both in Pitts and London, both on, on rookie contracts. Now, that's not to be successful with Richardson, but I'm actually kind of Jackson goes to Atlanta for Arthur Smith to drive fantasy owners nuts because that scene openly said he doesn't care about fantasy points. He's just trying to win games. I can see very much Evan where Lamar has 100 rushing yards, Algier has 100 rushing yards, and Kyle Pitts gets two targets. Interesting. Um, now, there are other downs, downside effects of if Lamar or New I think they actually believe in Ritter. Um, now, obviously, Ritter is not to the caliber of Lamar Jackson, but that they believe in. But, I mean, if Lamar Jackson goes to Atlanta with people who are calling Kyle Pitts tight end one, 
Um, now, where you have I feel like him, people have been calling them tight end one for years already. Anyway, yeah, but yeah it, that, that'll it, certainly draw them back up. You're right. <laughs> value would go up, and there would be a lot of dynasty sides to that. Bateman would go. Um, there, there are a lot of varying things, but for me, if I'm a GM, first of all, if I'm my prerogative is to win now, because nobody in the NFL was promised a job for more than so. If if you give me Lamar Jackson, I'll take him. I'm not worried necessarily about five years down the road. If I'm going to succeed, I won't be there. Um, so it would be absolutely Lamar Jackson. I think it's I guess also- the question I've got also is if Jackson is traded to Atlanta, is Ritter part of, part of the move back to mm. Baltimore? It's possible, I suppose. I I, I think it's interesting because that would – that does fit some other deals, like did to Denver. Drew Locke went back, and obviously nobody saw Geno Smith having the year that he had. And Ritter is, to me, sort of a middling starting at better, but he's sort of one of those like slightly better than Gardner Minshew's slightly at start sort of starting caliber quarterback. Um, I don't think he's anything to set the world monk and the, the staff there as to what they're looking for. Because, I mean, if they go from Ritter, it's entirely likely they have to change the entire offense. They might have to anyway. But I do think, though, again, if, if Atlanta's trading for Lamar Jackson, you have to think it's going to be like a five-year contract. Like, they're, they're going to have him on the team through the rest of Ritter's rookie contract. So they'll have a high incentive to want to move that because some team will view that as valuable, a cheap quarterback that's cost controlled. And again, if, if the Ravens whole problem I know is they don't want to pay Jackson, that's probably that, that actually probably does make a lot of sense that they'll at least want to get a quarterback. Even if it's not someone they view as we a locked in starter, maybe someone that can compete with, I don't know, Tyler Huntley, who might also be a, uh, uh, a free agent. Now, the one thing to that point is, is if you're, playing till GM, maybe you keep Ritter because Jackson has missed five or six. You are going to need a solid backup. He may play an entirely different style, but some style is going to lead to injuries. Now, you can say that injuries can happen to anybody and they're fluking. I mean, you take the inherent risk because of the talent, but there's it's part of the reason why Baltimore won't guarantee the entire contract other than that doesn't seem to be what they do i don't know that ritter doesn't stay just because they're expecting lamar to miss three full time the entire reason that huntley is there because he plays a similar style because he understands the offense he just doesn't perform as well Hmm. that's a good point of yeah what what does that insurance look like because um, I guess if, if they do trade Ritter, they're probably going to have to sign some backup quarterback that's been probably going to cost them more than Ritter would. So that may, maybe they do hang on to him. And the other question they've got is, let's let's get back to the Richardson discussion. If they, if they wanted to go the route of drafting Richardson, is he really guaranteed to be that much better than Ritter? And then to me, it's, that, it's not without a possibility that Ritter has a better career than Richardson. Yep, I think that the upside ceiling of if Richardson hits, then he it's probably he's probably the answer. But we've how many quarterbacks have we seen not hit their potential and their ceiling uh, come into the NFL, right? So, um, 
I almost think, yeah, if, if you're Atlanta, like the team that probably wants to draft Anthony Richardson is someone that has a veteran quarterback established that they feel like they can win with now. And there's no pressure on Richardson to have to start year one. I've heard this landing spot floated out and because they've got the extra first round pick that doesn't belong to them, it belongs to the Rams. So Rams were not a very good team this year. So guess what? Their, their pick turned out to be really early. The Detroit Lions, if the Lions take, yeah, and Gator just basically uh, typed it as I said it, but yeah, if the Lions take Ritter, uh, sorry, not Ritter, uh, Richardson, uh, they've got Goff, and I mean, Goff led them to a winning season last year, so does is that someone who, he's got the job for the year, and it's, okay, year, t- year three now of the Dan Campbell, Jared Goff sort of coaching quarterback relationship, they took a huge step last year, especially in the end of the season. Can they take that next step and make the playoffs? If so, then that's a that'd be a next year problem after that to figure out like is Goff the long term answer there, or what to do with Richardson. But if it doesn't happen, then you you just you know, at that point it's easy to let Goff go and Richardson in year two takes over uh, the team. So that would almost be the one landing spot where we're maybe not expecting him to play much. It might be like a Trey Lance type situation. Uh, where you're drafting him, even though you, you know, you're not getting a lot of starts. Um, but yeah, I think Detroit might be the ideal spot because to your point, Brian, if, if Richardson is a project and needs more time, the fear is he goes to a team that starts him right away and he just falls on his face. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I that's his best. One of the better landing spots is just somewhere where it can be a project. Cause he's not, he's not ready based on what I've seen. I do think this whole talk of Lamar Jackson, whether it's being traded to Atlanta, being traded to Carolina, I think if that happens, he's probably the best quarterback in the NFC. So especially NFC teams, I think can be, I think he's easily the best quarterback in that division, but especially if Aaron Rodgers gets traded and the, you know, the rumors have been out that the Packers do want to trade him. And some of the things they said they'd mentioned earlier reports were they only wanted to trade him to the other conference, to the AFC. So, you know, you're subtracting Rodgers from the NFC. Brady just retired. Like, if it's if Jackson doesn't end up with that conference, I think he's easily the best quarterback in the conference. And that gives whoever trades for him a huge edge because not only in your division, but you think you might be able to legit make a Super Bowl with him. I think that's a fair point. Running off the top quarterbacks in, in the NFL, they're all, they're all in the AFC. So, yeah, it's, I think that's a very fair point. It's him or – I would go with Jalen Hurts, but oh right, Hurts, yeah, it's close in terms of the. So Hurts and really close. Um, Hurts obviously has had the advantage at least this year with the better start. Um, it would be interesting to see if Lamar without someone on Hollywood Brown who did not do incredibly well and Mark Andrews who's obviously a safe running back went down um, um, from a dynasty perspective it would be interesting to Lamar so Lamar right now is dropping so I mean you're gonna I've seen him anywhere 8 to 110 range to the beginning of the second round he probably goes back to this range he probably re-jumps um, Fields and Lawrence if I'm an owner, I probably see if I can pry Lamar Jackson away. That the the value, you know, six months from now is probably going to be entirely different than the value everyone's saying. Well, maybe he 
won't play. Maybe he'll sit out. Whatever it might be. If he goes to Atlanta, he's going to skyrocket. Second round, Lamar Jackson in a startup. That's almost unthinkable. Because to, to me, if I'm the team's 110-111, there's no way I'm risking him coming back. Like, even if the team that landed, I'm like, okay, if I'm if I'm 112-201, I'll, okay, I'll take Lamar 201 just to mess up the ADP. But, man, there's that's a big risk letting, trying to let him slide. Because I, I'm i sure there's some startups where he's a top six pick still, where people just believe in the talent. And they think, you know what, if he goes to another team, maybe it's better than the Ravens. They have better weapons, better certainly a wide receiver than what they have this year. No one really want to be throwing well, to Marcus I, Robinson and – and uh, Sammy Watkins, Deshaun Jackson, <laughs> in 2023, that is. Yeah. So the the startups that I've done, it's been startups that have rookies involved, and he he's actually fallen behind both Stroud. Now, obviously, we have rookie fever this time of year. So realistically, he's in that between him, Fields, and Lawrence, probably him and Fields. He's prime range, depending on whether or not not someone in the top six takes a wide receiver instead. Yeah, because, I mean, like, as much as we've seen Deshaun Watson, you know, have success before, I think after the, the bit of season he just showed a lot of rust, there's no way I'm taking Watson over Jackson in a startup. And, I mean, frankly, if it's super flex, you know, Jefferson and Chase are amazing, but there's no way I'm taking either of them over Lamar Jackson. So, to me, like, like I like that range there. Uh, Trevor Lawrence fields like that's probably a really good range with lamar uh whatever you kind of you know i guess lamar and field sort of offer a certain flavor of quarterback uh trevor lawrence might come down to scoring settings right okay six point passing touchdown leagues i guess actually lamar does throw a lot of touchdowns so that he might he's he's someone uh, like some rushing quarterbacks like a jalen hurts for instance who relies so much on the rushing touchdown side of it he's maybe slightly hurt by a six point passing touchdown uh scoring league Lamar Jackson less so because with him it's he'll still throw a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. He his touchdowns tend to be long distance ones, so mm-hmm. he's maybe even that like yeah. I'm, I'm having a hard time finding the t- the the spots where he's not uh, like like QB eight at the very latest. But I'm even thinking closer to QB five, QB six. So uh, could be. So- I mean, this right now it sounds like Lamar Jackson's a buy in dynasty. That's that's the, basically what we've come to the conclusion on. If if that's and he might not be priced like that in every league, but if he's priced at back-end first-round startup value in, in leagues. That's the strike right now, Walt, where there's so much uncertainty. We don't know what spot he's going to. This actually might be the best time to buy Lamar Jackson because as soon as he lands and gets that big contract, even if we don't love the landing spot, the idea of the stability will probably make his price increase, and you might see him, again, go back before Lawrence and Fields and startups. So this is He's a buy a- for about the next three weeks, I would say. Yeah, uh, Gator mentioned something about the day of the franchise tag. Uh, the tag window opened... Uh, March, Tuesday. March the 7th, yeah, you have to do the ta- franchise yeah. tag. But and I think then, they, they were eligible. They could start this week, I think. so. It actually started the 21st. So it runs from the mm-hmm. 21st to 21st through March 7th is when you can apply the franchise tag. Uh, so Jamie's chiming in, too, kind of thinking what I was thinking. And I haven't actually done any startups this year, but just being in group chats and see what people are saying. Uh, he hasn't seen him fall out of the first round. Uh, 112 is usually Dak and Fields. Uh, Fields felt him the other day. That Even that one's weird because we're typically seeing Fields in a lot of startups. I don't know what you've seen, Sean. Is is he falling like Lamar with, again, the uncertainty? Okay, is, is the Bears going to trade him or is he kind of firmly in that top top half of the first round? So it's, or middle. 
to plug a little too, I'm actually writing a article on startups and I've done about six so far. I can't, isn't sustainable year over year, but I figured this year will be the year of a startup, apparently. Um, for pretty tight in that 1 8, 1 9, 1 10 range, some people are taking Justin Jefferson. That, that I actually understand um, because there's more uncertainty with any of those top quarterbacks. Um, just simply due to the fact we don't know if he's going to be a Chicago Bear. Uh, Dak is definitely falling. I think some of that is just prospect fatigue, like Dak being that 10 to 12 QB. You know, I mean, I don't value Dak and then say CD Lamb is wide receiver three. I don't think those are things that people should. Um, but for me, Trevor Lawrence is QB five. So different ranking than most people. And I do think that that sort of like five to 10 range, everyone has a little different flavor of what they look for. I am a Jaguar fan. So there's a certain uh, home cooking there, but I've also watched every single one of his games. I think he only one of that bunch who has the ability to take over the, the sort of consensus top four. Allen, and uh, Burrow. I think he can take, take over Burrow. But the sort of like 6 to 12 range, 6 to 14 has just been jumbled all with all get out. Lawrence is rising, um, Lamar is falling, and and CJ Stroud and Bryce Young have sort of fallen on that very owners who may just, just have rookie fever take both of them. They on the turn, the one two DJ Stroud, which, which is why Lamar fell to two two. Um, it happened, I think it happened that the person who took it up with Lamar in that particular startup. But Dak has been falling to the turn, fall any lower than like one nine. Um, but it setting sort of well, and I think specifically with Dak, when you look at you know the top twelve quarterbacks, and you can even extend that, like you know if you have Trey Lance, like I've got Daniel Jones at QB fourteen, and that's probably where the rookies slot in. You look at that top fifteen; he's the oldest. Like it's all guys that are younger than him. So from a dynasty perspective, you see him as the old guy in this group. So that probably also makes him fall to the end of the first round pretty consistently. Gladys is joining us too. So uh, be sure to check out next Thursday. Gladys uh, will have the episode two of her new show, uh, No Particular Order, uh, with uh, I believe her sister will be her full time co host. So glad to have Terry on the Going for Two Live Network. We uh, were able to bring Sean on this week. It's just, it's it's great. Everyone join the Going for Two Live Network. Uh, come subscribe on YouTube as well for uh, updates because we have a lot of shows throughout the week. And uh, yeah, so definitely check out uh, in No Particular Order next week. Next thursday uh jamie's mentioning hi to gladys he also said hi to us earlier uh so yes gators kind of just he just named a bunch of quarterbacks i assume these are his rankings so i'll just read them out mahomes allen hurts burrow herbert lawrence watson then jackson fields and now i and this is where i think again the scoring settings come into it because gator if it was let's say a point per carry league and you're going to boost up the quarterbacks with rushing attempts. I'm guessing you're you're raising both Fields and Jackson, at least probably ahead of Watson, Lawrence, wherever that ends up. So it, it does make sense that you also do rank them next to each other. Um, 
But yeah, I'm curious. Like, uh, so you you know you said Shawnee of uh, Lawrence at QB five. So do you have him ahead of Justin Herbert? Mm-hmm. I do. Okay. One in interesting Gators ranking that I think is so. This is one thing. Is, is like Watson sat out a large part of two years. Essentially, was gone. He was a top five dynasty quarterback. Tennessee quarterback before he left. I mean, unless the, the what's happened broke in him in some way. Um, I mean, you have to assume that the I mean, he didn't have incredible weapons when he was with the Texans. I mean, he had DeAndre Hopkins until, um, and then obviously he had. I mean, we don't know. Like some people, whatever it is, pushes them over the. We don't know what Deshaun Watson's been through, and that Delph is a very touchy issue. But he is sort of that quarterback in the top 12 that probably for ascension, um, just simply due to the fact of what he was as opposed to have on him. Um, but I think that there is a sort of set top 12. At people, it's realistically sort of where the jumble's in. Now with Lawrence and Herbert specifically, I just believe Lawrence is more. First of all, the weapons are starting to equal out. There's going to there's some age on the the Chargers wide receivers. Ridley, one would assume he has ETN. There, there is you're going to see a very defense in Jacksonville's defense is still horrendous. So, you know, Lawrence is going to have to thirty to twenty seven. He is going to provide fantasy value for that, and some of the boneheaded first year and a half or so seemed to be abating uh, where he was trying to talent over situation. He was trying to push through it like he had done at Clemson, like he had done in high school, but I I do have Lawrence number five, and I do believe he can take over Burrow. I have to take over Hertz or Allen, and he's not Patrick Mahomes. There's only one Patrick Mahomes. Um, six to ten, depending on how your league values the six to ten, I think would be the most important. Some, some steals there, especially this time of the year. I think what Gator was saying, yeah, that's correct. Kyle was my observation of you know what your scoring settings might dictate what that order is mm-hmm. from six to ten, and just how how that that exact mix uh, comes to be. Um, Jamie again, the Cleveland connoisseur. So he says, "Nice uh, to you to have Watson that high, but he's been going early to mid second. So he's he's another guy that you yeah. might like a Dak Prescott see fall to the late first or out of the first entirely. So again, maybe a good buy on him now, uh, because I th- I think the idea is if he played so poorly last year because of rust, even if it was just six games, that's suddenly six games where the rust." Like now the rust wouldn't apply because he just finished playing again. It's, it's a smaller sample size, but the idea that he hasn't played for two years no longer exists now. So just, just what, just getting on the field last year and playing those limited games enough to springboard that potential top five season. There's this also year. a growing familiarity with the people around him. So that is important thing. Um, as far as him playing football. Now there may just be the, the fact that played football probably, since he was five years old, to spend two years essentially not playing football other than scrimmages, and I don't think he was with the Texans at all, so I'm not entirely sure if he did 
anything. Football. I think out. he played DB a bit in practice. He was a safety. Interesting. Um, but see some some improvement on his level of play. I think they also need to figure out um, their offense. I, I it just seemed disjointed. Whereas with Brissett, they seem. I think it's hard to switch quarterbacks midstream. Um, now Brissett is not a running quarterback. Basically different than what Watson does. But it did seem like their offense was a tad bit disjointed. I think they'd, they'd be able to have an, an OC having an entire offseason of Watson to try his best. Whereas last year they were trying to make the playoffs and understanding that he was going to be out for the first. You'll see better play, one would hope. Um, but this will be the very first five weeks of the season are going to be very telling as far as what his. Lauren, okay, it's Gator. Interesting here. Lawrence is my pick to be the QB one this year. The chemistry built last year with him and Peterson, and of course the wide receivers are only going to get better than add Ridley. Uh, to your earlier point, I think I might actually take the Jaguars' weapons right now over the Chargers' weapons. So, uh, like to your credit of the Lawrence over Herbert, I, I could totally get that. Um, and yeah, maybe he has the you know, he's the supposed to be the generational quarterback, right? Maybe he has that tool set to like he can lead the league in passing and passing touchdowns next year. Like he's kind of has that potential. So uh, yeah, I guess a lot of these quarterbacks are good buys to go get. And I think anytime you can get a top 12 quarterback in Superflex without having to give up one, I think that's a, a key uh, kind of time to, to go do that. Uh, now, Oh, and uh, Vandy grad disappeared. Uh, I think we'll get Brian right back, but uh the last player, or the, one of the last players I want to talk about was, again, if, if Lamar Jackson is the biggest domino to fall uh, this year in terms of, like, teams going after him, teams wanting to invest, Aaron Rodgers might be next, certainly on, on the quarterbacks that teams would have to trade for. Uh, so I know there's been a few kind of destinations floated out with Rodgers, and I think it's, it's funny because it's it's the opposite of Jackson, right? We're, we're assuming changing conferences if, if Lamar Jackson gets traded – we assume that that'll be to the NFC. It's why we've been mentioning Atlanta, Carolina, but with Aaron Rodgers, it does seem like he'll, he'll be going the other way from the NFC to the AFC. At least is what the Packers have reported is that's their intent and they're interested too. Now, the other thing could happen too is Carolina, Atlanta could both be so QB hungry. That they're just willing to spend so much more than everyone else that who, whichever one of them doesn't get Lamar will be the one to get Aaron. So maybe he stays in the conference. Uh, that'll be a fun, interesting battle in the NFC South between Lamar and Rodgers, if that were to be the case. But, Assuming that doesn't happen, and what the Packers said is true, they want to trade Aaron Rodgers to the AFC. It seems like there's two teams especially that have been really floated around, but I actually have a third team that I think is just as likely that doesn't seem like uh, it, like, uh, I don't know, doesn't seem like it's being talked about at all. So uh, I don't know, we'll get uh, your shots, uh, thoughts, Sean, um, like what you expect with uh, Aaron Rodgers this offseason, if there's any teams you think he'll get traded to in particular. I actually expect them to stay. Um, okay. So I, I that is hard to figure out. And by his own admission, on the last time he was on McAfee, before, his team doesn't talk, talk to the media. So if you're hearing things that's not from his team, was specifically the words that he said. So he, he's the hard guy to figure out. But for me, I think for Rogers, it's. He is sort of the the symbol of, 
of like Favre was before him. Favre obviously moved around several times after leaving. Out. I don't, don't think Jordan Love is going to provide the the emphasis of pushing interested for Favre. Um, but but if you, you trade him to one team, sense to me is the Raiders because of, of exactly what you said. Because obviously he has a giant cap number, but you have Devonte Adams there with, but but you have Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller in the same window as Aaron Rodgers, and obviously a lot of people are going to say the Jets. I would say the one, but much better defense than the Raiders do. But the 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 way so there's some sort of friendship between him and Zach Wilson. If Zach Wilson is still there, um, but I think for me, given the window of, of the team, it's probably the Raiders and Devontae, and obviously he's gone tongue in cheek with the media as far as Devontae buying him a house. Looking, um, but for me, that would be the team, and from a from a fantasy perspective, best team for him um, because it's going to have weapons that first of all know how to play kind of all it's going to be you know he may not have an MVP season because he may just not but he will definitely be sort of a usable if you're going for a championship quarter that you know you spend a little capital on, on he helps you win a championship and then he or whatever he decides to do that's a good point and like you said you're First inclination is to say that he stays. The Packers want to win a Super Bowl so bad, and that's kind of, as a Packers fan, as a you know, Gator eloquently mentions. Uh, I'm not turning this to Packers pod, folks, but uh, yeah, I don't know that Jordan Love can win a Super Bowl, especially immediately. Apparently, Aaron Rodgers is out of the darkness. I, I, he's not into the darkness. I guess he doesn't believe in a thing called love. Uh, bad, bad music reference there. Sorry, guys. Uh, but yes, um, now. The, yeah, I guess he referenced the shot of the the spitting image of Brett Favre. Does he follow him like exactly like like Favre did uh, to the Jets? And uh, I guess the one why would Rogers want to go to the Jets? Seems like he kind of as much as you mentioned doesn't necessarily his team doesn't always talk to the media. Does seem like he's not one to also shy away from the the spotlight and the New York media. You might be into that, like just being part of that big metropolitan place. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't think he would at, at the very least he it wouldn't be a reason not to go for him. I don't like he's not one to back away from that challenge. Uh, I'm scared of the media, right? W- whether he wants to be there and embrace that or just it's it's something to work around. I don't think that would be the deterrent. So uh, it does seem Sean as though the Raiders and Jets have been two of the teams that have been floated out. So it's good that you mentioned that, Brian. What do you think uh, will happen with Aaron Rodgers? Before I reveal my again, those were the two teams I mentioned, but the third team I think is just as likely. Uh, that I think again doesn't seem like anyone's talking about. Will you talk about it? We'll find out. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards the Jets. Um, he wants to be in a situation like anybody else where he can win the Super Bowl. He, they didn't seem very close to me in Green Bay last year, so I don't see him staying. If he goes to the Raiders, it, 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 Josh Jacobs is coming back on the tag. They're gonna go. They would go for one. They would go for the win. So. You know, they've already got Devontae. They would have Aaron Rodgers. They would have Darren Waller. Jacobs was coming back on the tag if they want to go win, if they want to try, go try to win it all. So Aaron Rodgers is the key to all this. 
but he's not staying in Green Bay. So Gator saying uh, Rodgers to the Colts. It'd be funny because that's what the Colts have been doing. Let's get the old quarterbacks year after year. Phillip Rivers, oh, he retired. <laughs> Carson Wentz, oh, he, we almost wish he'd retire. Matt Ryan, man, he should have retired. At least Rodgers is better than all of them probably combined. So, But it also feels like the Colts have done this just too many times and they're in a position to get a young franchise quarterback. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking like the Texans could be one of those teams too, but they probably would just rather build around the young franchise guy. And I don't know that they're quite ready. Maybe the Colts are closer to contention. But my team that I think Roger will actually go to, and this is the one I've I've landed on as my number one most likely, and it's simply because no one else is talking about it. So if it happens, I can be like, ha, I told you, I'm right. That same division, the Tennessee Titans. And they've been pushing for it, you know, year after year. Uh, they, you know, they actually didn't make the playoffs last year. But it, it also seems like as good as Tannehill has gotten them, it seems like they need to go, take a step up at quarterback. And, you know, Vrabel, he wants to win now. Uh, probably not too happy that, you know, losing. And then you see the Jags in their first year after being just awful, they come in and they actually win the first playoff game, which the Titans have failed to do. Uh, so I could see them, in order to keep up with Trevor Lawrence, pushing the chips in and going after Aaron Rodgers. They're probably upset about losing A.J. Brown. So this year it's like, okay, instead of, getting the rookie instead of getting Traylon Burks, although that'd be fun because I, I wanted that in Green Bay last year. The Aaron Rodgers-Traylon Burks connection might get it in Tennessee next year. But I could see them being the team that just really go, pushes all the chips in, thinking we've got the the pieces now where if we have a quarterback like Rodgers, our receiving core isn't so impressive. But again, like having Traylon Burks there, he can get the most out of Burks. And that might be enough with the ground game of Derrick Henry to lean on. Uh, I know that they, yeah, uh, I would just say that the Titans just cleared 40 million cap space. And when I saw that, I thought they're go they're going after something big. And I, for some reason, I don't think they're going to pay Derek Carr 30 million. Cause I think at that point, they're probably better off just sticking with Tannehill because I don't think Derek Carr is very good. It's funny. That's the, the, that's probably the third big domino in free agency though. The team that, that strikes out on Lamar, strikes out on, on Aaron Rodgers, can't trade for them. I think some sucker franchise is going to way overspend on Derek Carr. And by overspending, they're also not going to have the pieces to properly surround him. So, uh, but yeah, my, my theory is uh, Rodgers to the Titans. I guess uh, Brian's going with Jets and Sean's saying he stays in Green Bay. As a Packers fan, I would love it. So uh, <laughs> we'll hope you're right. At least I do. Uh, but yeah, uh, Brian, I know you had quite a few players listed. Uh, is there any last player you wanted to mention before we head out of here? No, I mean, just the biggest the biggest thing about free agency, like we talked about before we hopped on here, is the running back class is, is the, one to, the one to look at this year. Last year was wide receivers. This year it's definitely the running backs. and be interesting to see where the dominoes fall. And we'll, we'll know a lot of that when the franchise tag has to be applied by the, by the 7th. Then after that, you can you can only um, come to agreement with your with your guys by March the fifteenth, and then free agency starts at four p.m. So definitely keep an eye out on on the running back situation and see where all those dominoes fall. It's going to completely impact fantasy football this year. And just uh, you know, look ahead to our schedule. Like I said, uh, next Thursday on March second, Gladys will be taking over with the. Uh... Uh, no particular order show uh, we'll be back on march 9th two weeks from now which means we'll have at, uh, the franchise tag deadline passed so that'll probably be something we talk about on the next episode is at least you know who's gotten tagged and maybe we get maybe we've had some long-term extensions for players and they, they avoid free agency so maybe we'll have that type of news as well but yeah 
think uh, for now, uh, Brian, I, know I, I certainly am, not to speak for you, but I think we're both really grateful that Sean uh, was able to show up and, and join us and uh, make this a, a trio. Uh, it's always a bit of a gambit doing this with only two people. So really, really appreciate it, Sean. <laughs> no, he did. He did a great job. I, uh, I'm not sure if he's had previous previous podcasting experience. I think I think I was reading first time for going for two, but he he did awesome. So, like you said, we'll we'll have the franchise tag information, and then also the scouting com the NFL combine will have taken place too. So we got a lot to cover next time. Yeah, that's that's a good point uh, about the combine. Uh, but yeah, uh, I guess cool if the FF Koala could come and hang out with us. <laughs> uh, I'm just grabbing on to any reference I can here, but uh, really appreciate it, Sean. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, just want to one last shout out to the sponsor underdog. And again, use the promo code GF2 to get that double deposit match. Use that money. You can be betting on sports. You can be joining best ball leagues. Uh, and then we got all sorts of great content at going for two.com that uh, will show. Uh, you see, I don't get this statement because uh Gladys is saying dynasty virgin. She's been, we've been in a dynasty league for two years together, Gladys. I think at this point, you know, you're not virgin anymore. I know, I know there was the struggle to make the playoffs last year. Trust me. I haven't made the playoffs in that league yet either. So, uh, but yeah, no, I think, uh, she said she, she, she claims she knows nothing about dynasty. I think, I think she knows quite a bit, uh, at least a little bit more, but uh, then she lets on nice, nice, humble way to be way to stay humble. Gladys, we should always be trying to fill our brains. <laughs> I still suck. Same here. So it doesn't care. There's nowhere to go but up. Then let's just let's just keep improving together, uh, and hopefully, uh, listeners, anyone watching, listening, uh, does improve from all this, and uh, you know gets them to think about dynasty. Uh, again, Sean, is there anything you want? You, I know you said you you've been working on startup articles for at goingfor2.com. Is there anything else you'd like to plug before we leave? Uh, no. So I will. I have just joined um, another website last year. I had some personal things I had to step, take a step away from. Um, the first article for going for two is going to be sort of a comprehensive one. It's take me a little while to get put together. A dynasty strategy article, both walking through my own particular strategies and each where it might be, and other pivots, um, learning from my mistakes, learning from my successes. Um, that, that should be sometime in the next week. Really, realistically, editing it down and paying too much attention to every little thing um but very shortly that will be attention to detail we love that here uh and brian is anything else uh, you're working on? i know you, you do uh are part of some other shows as well so if you want to plug that now's now's your chance yeah like always you can reach me at vandegrad 92 on twitter uh by the by the next time we're on i'll be having some content perhaps with uh for frequency sake my other website that I work with. I'm looking to possibly do some DFS baseball this spring. So I got, got a lot of things, a lot of things that, that are running through my mind anyway. Yeah. On DFS, you got to swing those fences, right? And take those big shots. You got to swing it for those fences. Got, got, got to definitely have top end pitching to do any good. So, uh, but yeah, but we'll, we'll not bore the, the non-baseball fans with, with any more references here. Uh, uh, we'll glove out of here. Yeah, that didn't make sense at all. Clearly not a baseball fan, right? Uh, but uh, do appreciate all the fans of the show for stopping by. We had Gator. Well, Gator's a co-host on the show, so appreciate our, our co-host who couldn't be here. But uh, felt like he was still here with all the comments. So really appreciate that. Gla uh, Gator, Gladys, uh, Jamie, the Cleveland connoisseur, as uh, the B-League says, uh, has coined him. I just I love alliteration, so I'm going to keep saying that. 
But uh, yeah, on behalf of Sean and for Brian, and again, Sean, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Uh, anyway, I'm Kyle Sunra, and this was the first of the off-season episodes of the Dynasty Gambit. We'll see you all in two weeks. Bye for now.